I'm Peter Medlin, and you are listening to Teacher's Lounge from WNIJ. If you've never heard the podcast before, good news, it's super simple. Every educator that we have on the show is nominated by you, the people that listen to this show. We think that almost everyone has had an educator or teacher or coach who inspired them or helped them become the person they are today. So tell us about that person at teacherslounge at niu.edu. Shoot us an email there and they can be featured on this show. Today we have Rayon Gibson. He is the principal at Little John Elementary School in DeKalb, and he's the author of a series of children's books called Diz Wiz. And we got to talk a ton about his first year in charge of a school, which happened during a pandemic, and went into how his book series spawned out of experiences he had with his own son, and how important father and son stories are. And the books also came out of things he noticed during his time as a school counselor, like overcoming failure, resolving conflicts, and even things like food insecurity. I had a blast talking to Rayon, and I'm excited to bring it to you. It's the summer, so before my conversation with Rayon, I also wanted to bring you a summer story. Students had their, you know, the whole year derailed because of the pandemic, so Rockford Public Schools expanded their summer activities this year to try and help with that, and I got to tag along to a few of their live, learn, play programs as the students try to catch up both on the work they might have missed and also just with each other. The Auburn High School Jazz Band is masked up. Even the trombone player, whose mask has a little mouth flap she flips up to play, this is the first time they've played together in a year. The sophomore piano player, Evelyn Pham, says they're still getting into a groove, but it feels great to have a band again. I remember sometimes in the past, like, being able to play in a band was the only reason I went to school, because it was just so much fun. But last year we didn't really get to do that properly, not till towards the end. Many of them were fully remote until late in the school year, and the jazz program and all their events were canceled last year anyway. Their instructor, Paul Kafer, says making music is as communal an activity as possible, which was a major loss for his students. So it's, it's this wonderful collective, this very social, praxial experience, but at the same time it's, it's a very uh, individual, personal, uh, almost private experience of how uh, music affects each of us in special ways. It helps some students like Sarah Calguero reorient their relationship with music. The singer-songwriter is even working on an album with some help from her teachers. I think COVID really, like, it sucked, but it made my songwriting ability, like, so much better because I wasn't able to, like, be with the group, which was unfortunate, but at the same time, I had a lot of, like, personal time to, like, work on music just for myself. The summertime live, learn, play doesn't just mean playing music. For some students, it's playing outside. Beauty in the City has middle schoolers walking downtown Rockford on a tour of the city's murals and art installations. I, think I, mean, I, guess you could I would guess it is painted on bad. the other side, right? Uh -huh. Flowers are painted on a relic from an old bridge. A massive oriole adorns the side of a brick building. The students and their teacher Sarah Devine even discover a hidden gem on the back of a building only seen from alleyways. Oh, I see it. Okay, so it's a handshake. A handshake is the uh, white and black mixture there. Other than that, it's just a bunch of neat shapes and bright colors and arrows and stars and 
What do you guys think of this one? Ilinka is headed into the seventh grade in the fall, and she didn't have the best time remote learning, but now has gone on several summer adventures with her school, like this one and the one exploring the Kishwaukee River. I didn't like doing it on end because it's like you just, there's a lot more distractions and you just had to like sit in the room. The downtown art walk was also a literal breath of fresh air for educators like Devine, who teaches sixth grade at West Middle School. It's really nice, yeah, being able to get outside and get the kids out doing something where they're not using a computer. It was just very tiring. I mean, I don't feel like kids are meant to learn that way. During the week, the Beauty in the City students watched artist Edeville Montero work on a mural he's painting with hundreds of Rockford kids. They also made art of their own, little painted fish, that will be part of an installation at the Rockford Public Library. Other programs the school district offered included everything from pure academic prep and recovery to Dungeons and Dragons. Students have missed out on countless academic and extracurricular activities because of COVID-19. They hope they can be back totally in person in the fall, even with the pandemic still looming. For now, though, students are just happy to get some semi-normal social events back for the first time. I'm Peter Medlin. All right, now it's time for my conversation with principal, author, father, Rayon Gibson. Well, it's funny for you guys because I feel like in a lot of districts it was like, okay, cool. I feel like we're getting back to normal. And then like two weeks later, the school year was done. And we're like, okay, well, I guess we're, <laughs> I guess next year then. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's been, it's definitely been an interesting school year. You know, I'm ready to be back full in person and uh, see how that looks like and get to see all my students. Yeah, happy summer, man. You deserve it. I feel like I feel like right as the year ended, I feel like I'm I'm pulling you back into the Zoom calls as soon as you got to be done with it. Oh no, 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 not at all. No. I just finishing up the master scheduling and answering emails all this morning about it. So, you know. Zoom never sucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I I, I was just thinking about this because I've done a couple stories talking to like administrators. And it, was this was this your first year as a principal? Yeah, as a principal, yeah. What was that like, you know, and not only just, you know, I feel like in your first year, it's like a lot of times when they talk about with like sports coaches, right? It's like, we want to come in here and establish a culture and like all that type of stuff and like build the community. And then you come in, in the year where it's the absolute hardest possible time to like establish a community. How do you do that? Man, it was extraordinarily awkward, extraordinarily interesting just because, you know, starting off that school year where, you know, everybody's remote, even though we're in the building, everyone is in their own room, like, you know, talking on a Google Google Meet. So building relationships was extremely difficult. You know, uh, I did some getting to know Principal Gibson activities at the beginning of the year just so teachers can get to know me. You know, they come with any questions and I get the answer, you know, whatever questions they ask. When you do like your, you know, get to know you, like what is the fun facts that you drop in for people? Uh, let's see, fun facts. You know, uh, one thing is what they ask is like, uh, do I have a hobby or something that's really interesting about me that a lot, not a lot of people know about? And uh, one, I do have a hobby that... Uh, two things one thing i'm a big fisherman love fishing and boating i usually do that all summer uh, another thing that's interesting about me is i also grow fish uh typically cichlids so i have some like 13 inch oscars in my living room that are massive um and i also have like smaller uh cichlids in the other tanks in my uh, house as well so the whole aquarium setup that's incredible been doing it for a while but you know the interesting story about that is how i got into aquariums is uh, like I said, I'm big on fishing and I kept going fishing. I wasn't catching anything. And I'm like, man, how am I going to get to figure out how, you know, how to catch a fish? And I was like, oh, I wonder if I, you know, got an aquarium. I got to see how they interact. 
then that helped me out. So and it did. Got, it yeah, did. yeah, it did. It definitely did. You know, I started seeing like, okay, well, majority of the time the fish like to be around rocks or you know close things. So then when I started fishing, I started looking at like little overpasses or things in the water, and you know, start catching them. Then actually, my stepdad's grandfather, who he was super close with, was like a commercial fisherman, and yeah. so we always used to go when I was a kid, and I like. I don't like the taste of fish. I don't like touching the fish. So I feel like I love to go fishing. And I think the uh -huh. worst part about it is actually like the fish, like just get me sitting on a dock, like in the warm weather. Yeah. That's amazing. I'll, I'll take that every day of the week, but the actual like puncturing my worm and like setting the bait and all that, <laughs> not my thing, not my thing. That's not your thing, yeah. <laughs> Peace and serenity, man, you can't beat it. You know, you get to be out there. I'm thinking all day. So it feels good to have an opportunity where you can just kind of relax and just enjoy nature. Not yeah. So you're trying to, you know, get to know everyone, establish your community while you're remote. You know, it's it's interesting too, because like you were a school counselor beforehand, right? Yeah, school counselor for about five years, an assistant principal for two, and then right. So like social emotional health and like mental health was like top of the conversation this year. And like that's also super difficult to do remotely to like be like, okay, you've got resources and people here for you but do it remotely in a way that like also feels authentic and like not super weird. Exactly. Yeah. And SEL learning, man, it's all about those establishing those relationships and things of that nature. It's an interesting story that actually got me into uh, being a school counselor. Uh, Cause when I got into education, um, I started off as a paraprofessional. Yeah. Sure you know, so that's like a instructional assistant. And um, so while I was working at instructional assistant, I was working at a therapeutic day school. So a lot of times the students will be um, escalated and you have to de-escalate the students. Um, if you were having difficulty doing so, you have to refer them to a social worker or something like that who'll come in and uh, assist that student. But one day I was trying to de-escalate a student and uh, he had told me, you know, I just wish someone understood me the way I understood myself. And I was just like, man, that was super powerful because I think that's what we, re we all really want. You know, we just want someone to understand us on the same level that we understand ourselves. And that just one conversation and me having to refer him to a social worker um, just sparked my yearning for more knowledge. And then that's when I applied for a school counseling program, got into it, and uh, the rest has been history. But I yeah. still remember that quote verbatim to this day. Like that changed the trajectory of my life. I had that written down. I was going to bring that up. So I did my homework on this one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting with the paraprofessional thing even because I feel like, you know, even if they kind of remember having one in school, I feel like people maybe that aren't teachers don't have maybe the best grasp of like what paraprofessionals do. And, you know, we talk a lot in this show about like the teacher shortage, but like, there's also like a massive shortage of paraprofessionals. I'm sure you guys felt that this year too. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, fortunately um, my building wasn't as impacted as other buildings were. So I'm very thankful for that. However, it is very difficult to, um, you know, to get paraprofessionals and they do play a very crucial role oftentimes they are overlooked and me having to be that role for three years like I got a very good holistic understanding of like you know the critical nature of which you know that position serves yeah and that quote about you know I wish that other people understood me the way I understand myself is like that's you couldn't ask for someone to like put in a thesis statement, like more of what people go into education for, right? And I feel like, you know, my mom is a teacher and my stepmom is a teacher. I feel like so much of being an educator is that like, you know, you're head down working on stuff and really just in it. And then every once in a while, one of the students will just drop in just like a, just like a tiny nugget of wisdom there. And you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm telling you. I mean, I just, it made me reflect on my practices and how I did things and just 
I mean, there's not often times where a student says a quote that just really resonates with you. I mean, like I said, I immediately started just saying like, how can I assist you? And in order for me to assist him, I had to get a higher level of education. So that's what I ended up doing. That's fascinating. And, you know, it, it's really, if we're talking a little bit more about the paraprofessional, I'm curious about this, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, when you're talking about, you know, working with students as an aide and like de-escalation and all that, like, I, again, I think that people might not realize like what the day-to-day -day really looks like, especially if you're in like one of those therapeutic day school situations, like what does that look like on a day-to-day -day for a parapro like you were in before? I mean, literally day to day, I mean, the, the particular students that I had, it was like bus to bus uh, type of services. So once you get off the bus, you know, I'm with you and walking you to breakfast, helping you get situated there, teaching you life skills throughout the day, assisting you with your homework, you know, things of that nature. If you need any uh, problem solving skills, maybe you have a little conflict, you're getting frustrated because you don't want to do this math. It's a little challenging. Then, hey, I'm the person that's going to be going for a walk with you, talking to you, building that relationship with you, you know, throughout the entire day. So. You know, it's really hands-on, uh, not necessarily hands-on as far as a physical sense, but hands-on as regards to proximity. Like you're very much, you know, that person's shadow for the most part, uh, just trying to provide them that support, provide them those services and make sure that their needs are met throughout the school day. Yeah. And from there, you went and became a school counselor. And again, I was reading another interview or listening to another interview that you were doing, and you were talking about one of the things that you did when you were a school counselor to try to just like ask questions and kind of like build out relationships with, with your students and stuff was like asking them what the last two songs they listened to are. So I figured I would take this second to turn the tables on you and ask you like, what were the last two, do you remember the last two songs that you listened to today? Yeah, yeah. actually uh, I remember the, it was Loyalty. Um, right? Loyalty was one of the songs. I got to tell you who the artist is because sometimes I get lost in it. Um, that up that's a great question man i like how you flipped that by Anne marie well to say kudos to you you get a a plus 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 you've done your homework massively excellent uh Anne marie loyalty and uh leighton green never knew what the last two songs i listened to so what do you think what do you think that says about your mood today loyalty uh, loyalty and never knew both of those are relationship-based songs you know and uh i'm in a new relationship so hey it's all flowing pretty good i'm pretty happy about that that's hilarious that you say that too, because, you know, I feel like the last two, because I, I, I checked myself too, I went on Spotify afterwards, and I was like, what's the last two songs I, I listened to? And the last two were uh, Dead of Night by an artist named Orville Peck, uh -huh. and uh, Bound to the Kanye West song. And those are also like relationship songs too. So, yeah. and like, I'm also in a great relationship too. So, I mean, like, we're feeling great. I feel good about this. <laughs> hey, and you said one other thing, uh, and then that we got in common, you said uh, like you stepdad or stepmom and things like yeah. that. And I was raised by my stepdad and my mom as well. So I thought that was a pretty uh, good commonality. I love it. All the stepfathers out there that can raise a kid like their own and without any, you know, um, and you can't tell the difference. So that's, that's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, I, I was lucky and I was kind of in a, a situation I feel like is not the norm, even for divorced kids, is that like my parents got divorced when I was like, like one years old, like barely a year old. And then my parents also like got with their next partners very soon after. So I've kind of had four parents the entire time. So it's like it's instability, but it is stability in like a weird yeah. way that I've just had like, you know, parents and step parents that entire time. That's great. And that's just additional forms of support that, you know, when you need resources or, you know, hey, I don't know what to do about this idea. You got a few additional people you can contact. That's Absolutely. Great. Well, you know, I, this, is a, this is a great segue again. You know, I wanted to ask about your, your book series that you have about Dizwiz. 
And, you know, I was thinking about it because, you know, this is uh, especially the first one stems out of an experience that you had with your son in T-ball, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm a huge baseball fan. I played baseball growing up. My dad did too. And so like baseball and like bonding with my dad are like very much one in the same thing. So like fathers and stun stories, you had me there and then you wrote baseball into it. And I was like hook, line, sinker to bring in the fish in here. You had me with that. I was in. Oh man, that's great. That's great to hear. Yeah. And you know, what's crazy is like, um, cause I get this a lot. Like a lot of people ask me about like the start of the series and, um, you know, I always tell them the story about, you know, what made me write the first book. But um, oftentimes what they don't know is just like what, um, I guess, the evolution of the series. Right. Because although um, we've like J- July 7th, 2020 would be my one year of me publishing my first book. Mm-hmm. And December 2nd is the, fir- the first year of me owning my, my company. And the evolution of it is that um, a lot of people ask, like, how do I get the themes in my book? And it goes back to when I was a school counselor. Because what I noticed is a lot of themes of what are students coming to me about most often. And in my five years, I start to identify like, oh man, conflict resolution is one. And, you know, a a variety of other topics that I'll be, you know, each uh, theme I'll be putting into a book. So the first theme is like, like I said, uh, just had that experience with my son. And then I was like, oh man, everyone needs to learn about believing in themselves, overcoming failure, obstacles. And then I was like, man, what's the next one? Then I thought about, oh man, relationships with others because, Oftentimes people come to a counselor because you have a conflict with someone or someone's different than you. So that's where Hungry Charlie came in. And not to mention, you know, me being the director of the Bar Food Mart, I was like, hey, this is an outstanding opportunity. And especially during the pandemic where, you know, um, many people are having scarcity and resources and food. I thought, hey, that's a great topic to put out there. And uh, the next two topics uh, that that are in the the books are also themes that I, you know, came across just as being a a professional in, in that field as well. Yeah, the Hungry Charlie one, especially too, stood out to me because, you know, like you mentioned during the pandemic with the Barb Food Mart, thinking about food insecurity and thinking about, you know, even like eating disorders with, with kids in school where, you know, you see in there and you're like, oh, there's a new kid and you just, you know, he's hungry and that's kind of it. But then like diving into like, okay, that's a symptom of something. And then you as a counselor, like, let's dive into that and figure out what's going on. Yeah. And then it also gave me an opportunity to infuse a little bit of social justice into it as well, because I know that like when I'm looking at, uh, say, for instance, you watching commercials about feed the children and things of that nature, you always typically see like a white person typically helping a, a minority student or minorities who are just in need. And I wanted to kind of empower minorities to say, hey, we can help out as well when we're in those situations, too. So kind of flip the roles a little bit and, uh, you know provide something for the uh the media that's not often as uh seen in those dynamics no for sure and you know I was thinking about the books that my like my dad and my stepdad would read to me when I was a kid and like those types of exactly like you know youth picture books and you know it's hilarious the one that came to my mind there was one that you know my name is Peter and my dad's name is Tim and there was a book that he read that was called Penguin Pete and Little Tim's like the characters were like actually named after us too but they were like penguins trying to get home in a snowstorm too and I was like (laughs) what an awesome book I love it (laughs) yeah and the fact like those dynamics like I didn't when I was looking at um just like different kids books like I didn't see too many like father-son books you know Um, so I was like you know what that's a different dynamic and plus you know me and my son like we just have like that's literally my best friend like we have an awesome time like uh, and uh, I was like, hey, it's a great way to infuse my legacy into literature. And he has he has the same, you know, similar name to me. Then, you know, he just kind of 
goes on with that path. So hopefully, uh, you know, it impacts him uh, in a way that I want it to impact others as well. No, and I also feel like you really remember those experiences. Like, even if you don't remember every single book that you read, you know, with your parents or whatever, like, like I remember all those, like, I remember so many books that we, that my dad, you know, read to me. And those are things that stick with you for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And man, it is so awesome that like, when you read a book to him and he knows that like the character is based on him. Like uh, after I got into books, uh, like I said, like the, like the evolution of the series has just been coming just like, and I've been having so many different opportunities um, because it started off as just books. And now uh, the books are uh, a means to give the students or the readers like those social emotional skills that are going to make them sound um, individuals and adults. But I'm also providing professional development to the adults about social emotional learning. So that way, you know, because I'm, I'm real... SEL is my, my lifeblood. Like, I, absolutely. It's no, you can be an all A student, be a Harvard grad, but if every time you get upset, you punch someone in the face, you're not going to be successful. We got to teach you those pivotal skills that are going to make you uh, a well-rounded individual and look at the whole child. So I figured, you know, let's, let's tackle it from both angles. Does your son, he, he recognizes that he's the star of this series? Does he, does he feel that? Yeah, you know, and like, like I said, like it started off as just books. And then I was like, man, when you're reading a kid a book, what do you usually have? And I was like, well, typically it's at nighttime. They typically have teddy bears. So now I got into like Dizwiz teddy bears. So I just got the first prototype, which is right here. This is based off the character in the, the first book, uh, number 28, baseball, Dizwiz on the back, you know, but uh. But yeah, so he sleeps with that every night. That's like in his next pillow. And he's like, and just seeing him like, you know, cuddle up with it just kind of shows me the impact the series is having on him. We're definitely going to get that stuffed animal into the, you know, the little screen cap for this episode. But number 28 on the back, is it, can I guess, is that a District 428 reference? Like what? Oh, no, no, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I'm trying no, to read into it. I didn't think about that, but that's, that's, that's a great correlation. But no, I didn't think about that. Actually, uh, my birthday and his birthday are very close together. Um, I was born on the 25th. He was born on the 28th. So uh, that's why the jersey on mine is the 25. The jersey on his is 28. I love it. See, I'm just reading into stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good guess, though. I got to give it to you. Nice hypothesis. I know. You could see me pick up my phone really quick to double check that it is 428. That's what I was doing. Nice. Uh, you know, you, you've talked about, like, just the idea of like, you know, representation in media too, right? And yeah. just a couple episodes ago on this show, we had a really awesome, uh, com he's a comic book artist and, and art teacher. And he was, you know, talking about that, that same exact thing about, you know, never even, never noticing it until he was like 10 and then seeing like his cousin, you know, with a stack of comics looking through it and being like, you know what, I actually want the one with the hero that looks like me on it. And I think it was like a cyborg Teen Titans comic or something like that. And I'm like, this is something that obviously, you know, you've had experience with. Do you remember a similar experience when, when you were a kid of, you know, flipping through something and, and seeing it be like, oh, actually, this is something I do want to gravitate towards because this guy looks like me or just the opposite where, you know, I'm reading this and I don't see anyone that looks like me. Yeah, exactly. You know, I actually just did a video clip on that maybe a little while ago, just talked about like when I was young, I used to read a lot of uh, superheroes. Yeah. So it was Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, you know, and all those things. And uh, none of those were African-Americans. I just kind of had to read those and then imagine the character being, you know, my skin tone or my culture. And then uh, just having those experiences, I wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, 
the people coming after me will be able to pick up a book and see their culture reflected in a positive light um, from some other culture. So, yeah. I love it. And I, I you know, I, I did want to ask too, we were talking about your first year as a principal and, and what this year has been like. And, and you know, now that you're done with it, now that it's the summer, you mentioned the work doesn't stop. You're still doing yeah. stuff. But have you felt like you've gotten a little bit more time to like, not only just reflect on what the school year was and what it meant, but also like, you know, we're talking about social emotional learning. And since that and student mental health were so at the forefront of these things of like, okay, like, what do we do coming out of this to like, like, what changes now, you know, have you, have you feel like you've gotten a little bit of a chance to reflect and kind of think about that stuff? Oh, yeah, you know, me, I'm a type A personality. So even though next school year doesn't start to August, I'm already planning, like, you know, the first two weeks out is, you know, since I'm an SEL guy, that first two weeks, I want to make sure that we're focusing on SEL. You know, this is the students have had a whole year of not being at school or some of many of them have. And if they had, it was a partial year, you know, February through the end of the year. So for that first two weeks, I really want us building relationships. I really want us establishing connections, you know, um, touching base with students because we never know what they've been going through. You know, during this pandemic, we don't know family members that they may have lost. We don't know, you know, um, whatever challenges they may have faced that we are unaware of. It's good to just kind of get to see our students for students, you know. So for that first two weeks, I like for our uh, staff to just really we'll focus on that building relationships. We're going to do some PBIS activities and uh, kick off the year in a fun way to make sure that we get that, you know, that, that positive energy. You know, I know a lot of people are going to have nerves because they've been out of school for about a year. They're probably going to be a little scared, a little frustrated, a little high anxiety. And that's what we're going to try to make it better by establishing those connections and uh, helping them with that seamless transition back into a full year after post remote learning. Right. I think about even like I, I had talked to some people that work with therapy animals and therapy dogs and stuff like that. And they were telling me that like, you know, last fall and stuff they they had tried to like set up a time where where students who were you know in a hybrid learning setting could come in and, and you know pet the dogs and read to the dogs do the whole thing and that like it took until maybe like the end of the spring like at the end of the school year for them to have those and the students to not hesitate when they were approaching the dog because of just you know everything that's been instilled in us with like social yeah. distancing and that and be like no 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 it's it's a dog like you're you're cool to approach and pet the dog but it was like it took a long time to even get to the point where they felt like in the school situation mask on they could approach it and I think it's going to be really interesting to see like once things did closer and closer to whatever we consider business as usual of like how long it's going to take for people to really feel as comfortable as they did before. Yeah, especially since, you know, we've been having to keep our distance, you know, no high fives, no hugs, you know, you haven't seen your friend in a year and a half and you really see, you know, see him for the first time, you really want to run and hug him and now, but you can't because of the, you know, the new rules. So it's just, you know, it's going to be very interesting. That's why I think it's uh, really important to put that SEL learning on the forefront at the beginning of the year. Um, get those students in the right place to learn. So that way when they're learning and, you know, we're doing a curriculum, it could be effective and they could focus on it. Well, and especially for you in an elementary school setting too, right? That's even more tough of, of you know, wanting to go up and hug your teachers too. Yes. And kindergartners are huggers. They're big huggers. Um, I know. My mom was a kindergarten teacher. Yes. <laughs> uh, my, uh, one of my teachers, Miss Corral, she uh, invited me uh, to her classroom because they were talking about 
um, publications and artists and uh, authors and things like that. So she actually invited me in. She wanted me to talk to her class about the publication process and uh, then read my book uh, to, to the class afterwards. And after doing so, like, man, I turned to their left and then I get ready to walk out the door. I turn to the right and there's like three kids coming up and giving me a hug. It's like, oh man, I forgot. Kindergartners are huggers. <laughs> That's so fun. That's so fun. Yeah, I... I think I don't have too many more questions for you. I don't want to take up your whole afternoon, but you know, I am curious that this is a show where, you know, it's about inspirational educators and, and people coming up to us and saying, Hey, this, this person is, is doing really great stuff. This person really, really helped me out. And I'm always curious, like for you, when you were a kid and, you know, when you were going through K through 12 and even through college, did you have, a teacher or, you know, I know a lot of uh, people that become teachers have people in their family that are teachers too, but did you have someone that you had in the classroom that were like this, if not made me want to be a teacher, but at least made me be like, education is an option. I think I could do that. Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> the one person that stands out is named Judy Johnson. She was at West Aurora High School. She retired. I've been trying to find her for years, never been able to find her, um, but she was a, uh, my school counselor at uh, West Aurora. I was a very smart kid at West Aurora. Um, you know, I had like a 3.6 GPA in my senior year and I had not filled out one college application. College wasn't really talked about in my household as much. Um, so I had no plans post-graduation. And then uh, she called me into her office one day, was like, hey, you have a 3.6 GPA. We're approaching, you know, the end of the year. You haven't filled out one application. I want you to fill out this NIU application. I gave her every excuse I could, you know, at the, you know being a senior in high school, being a cool kid. I wasn't really thinking about post-graduation. She, you know, disregarded every excuse. Like, no, you can have a seat right here. Made me fill it out. It was the only application I ever filled out uh, for college and high school. I got accepted to NIU and that completely changed the trajectory of my life. And who would have known that having that experience and then having the experience with the student as a paraprofessional that I've become a school counselor and then have that same impact on other students as well. So the way they just work together to just, you know, um, the complexities and the interwovenness of it just kind of reinforces my faith because I'm a faithful person and that I'm, hey, I'm heading down the right direction and the right path that uh, following my purpose, so to speak. And uh, I just wish I could really uh, find her and just tell her how much that one situation really meant to me because uh, her to see my GPA, see, see potential in me that I didn't see in myself and make sure that I um, did the necessary things I did uh, or needed to do so that I could obtain you know, something greater. And that's the impact I want to have on everybody I, I meet. And that just kind of falls into the forefront of my series. Like I want to have that type of impact on the people who read my books or who has my PD and things like that. So when I read some of these reviews or some people come up to me and tell me, hey, I told my uh, kid that, you know, today is going to be better than yesterday because he was having difficulty during e-learning. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. So that's kind of that Judy Johnson effect that, you know, happened to me. So. That's yeah. full circle. The circle of life, Lion King. <laughs> yeah, that's, I was, I was going to say, that's the same type of thing with your series, right? Is it like, especially that first book is really about like, you know, believing in yourself, but like we need a support system of other people to believe in us a lot of times before we can really do it for ourselves. Because sometimes, you know, we're not even, you know, we're just trained to not even believe that from ourselves that like, I can do this thing. It takes other people, especially, you know, like a teacher or like a parent or someone else to say that first. Yeah, exactly. And one of my favorite things to ask as a counselor well, I'm gonna give you two. Ooh, you're great at just, uh, you know, at these questions. And I love how you flipped it. Like, I'm still astonished by that. But uh, so um, as a counselor, like one of my favorite questions to ask or uh, what was to ask my uh, clients were like, or my students were, you know, how are you different leaving my office than you were entering my office? 
you know, because every interaction we, we have should have some type of impact on you. And I just wanted to know what kind of impact that was. So that was uh, something that, you know, that, that just really resonated with me as well. So I like to be able to have those impact on it. Uh, the other question, uh, which we, we talked about already, was the music question that you still thoroughly impressed me on. <laughs> I love it. All right, well, 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 hey, thanks so much for jumping. I really appreciate you, man. I, I had a ton of fun. I hope you enjoyed the conversation too. I got to be curious, man. You got some, do you have some good fishing spots lined up for this summer to kind of relax, detox a little bit? Oh yeah, my son was just asking me to go fishing yesterday, but you know, it's supposed to be raining for the next five days and I've been watching the weather like, man, I really want to get out there and you think it's going to rain, it doesn't, but yeah, we're going to be going to Rock Cut Park. Last time I went out there, I caught a pike and uh, I'm looking to go ahead and do that again. I've never caught one since then, so I'm going to see if I can repeat that, but we'll see how that goes. I love it. And we got the, we got the Diz Wiz merch now. We've got the stuffed animal, well, the, the, you know, the, the stuffed Diz Wiz. We've got the books now. Like, do, do we got the, the Diz Wiz animated series coming up? Like, and you know, I would love to get that in the works too. You know? We'll just speak that. We'll speak that into the universe. We'll just say that. <laughs> I love the way you think, Peter. Yeah, <laughs> let's speak that into the universe. You also got PD, you know, uh, on my website, the dizwizseries.com. I got uh, other educators that can go there if they wanted me to talk to their class about certain things, if they want PD on certain things. So building leaders, if you want me to stop by, you know, and have some SEL PD, do some team building, do other things like that. You know, all those services are available. Um, I have a great, um, I have a wide array of PD um, options that I can provide to different areas, different people who may need it. So, yeah. I'm sure there's people that are super interested that to listen to this podcast. I love it. All right, man. Well, hey, thanks so much again. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. I hope you did too. Me too. And uh, hey, uh, I look forward to um, touching base with you again in the future. And thanks again for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. As always, feel free to nominate a teacher in your life to be on our show. It's how we get awesome guests like Rayon. Send them our way to teacherslounge at niu.edu. And wherever you're hearing the show, subscribe, leave us a rating, share it. Whatever you can do, it really does help us get more listeners, get more ears, and therefore get more teachers recommended and more voices and perspectives on this show. Big thanks to the Northern Illinois Band Kind Ofs for the music you hear on our show. Thanks to Spencer Tritt for our Teacher's Lounge logo. And I have been your host, Peter Medlin, and we'll be back with more Teacher's Lounge very soon. See ya.